Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We are here, episode 147 with Jackie Lipinski. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Now, Welcome to post-apocalyptic <laughs> iOS rollout. I know. The world didn't end. Facebook stock skyrocketed. More on that later, but we made it. We're on the other we're side. Here. We're here. We survived. People still yeah. on homes. Other, yeah, check. That's, the, that's <laughs> a good part. We're not selling uh, weird luxury watches that are hundred to five hundred thousand dollars and yeah that's good <laughs> we're lucky all right let's hop right into story time jackie yeah i have a small one but i'm sure our this goes into guys, like celebration as much as you know so oh my goodness like, i feel like i work on yeah we there's a couple <laughs> of projects we're working on in the back end and, and finally one of little projects is, is live in the world it's the new podcast graphics everyone everyone who i feel like there's a secret group of people being like thank goodness i just i needed that to change but most people they did most of yeah, them yeah most of them were like this looks amazing so kudos um the graphics look amazing, look amazing and i'm so there are I'm new so t-shirts in the works mr duderstadt settle down <laughs> just give us a <laughs> second we'll get you one the um old graphics Kevin, how old was the... Well, first of all, they didn't have graphics. We had the graphics. text the, and a microphone icon. With the, the well, like, didn't it use the pre-sale without fail icon set? Or, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Like so, that. yes. so that's however many years old. Yeah. Your ebook. So that's, Oh, gosh. That was, yeah. Started using that probably 2010. Yeah. 2010. Like the, the street. The, house, the streetscape. The streetscape with the sold signs. You all know what yeah. I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Isometric. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Welcome to 2021. Yeah. But that's my favorite thing is everyone's like, look, a new new logo. This is amazing. It's like we never had a logo. I guess we did. Actually, it's it, not true. Because yeah. we had the stylized font on the T-shirts. Yeah. The uh, A's had no dashes uh, the in Blade them. Runner, the Blade Runner thing going on kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. But now that. That's, now they're, they're out in the world. Plan. They exist. I'm excited. That's my story time. I'm ending with that. <laughs> I'm yeah. so happy. And I'm excited too. It's it's. It was always low on the priority list only because I expect us to get exactly no new followers because of it, but it's still important to, uh, <laughs> it's become a thing. We've been doing it for a while. It might as well have an actual logo. It might I, I did well. want to, we're not prepared. I don't think to talk about this, but there always is, or usually there is more to a logo than what meets the eye. So I don't know if, if Jackie, you're prepared to break it down at all on the spot. To like what, what is this thing? Oh, no, I love, I, yeah, I love secret meanings. So the secret meaning behind the market proof marketing logo is it's an M it's a P the icon element. The P is also a floor plan element. Obviously it's left flush text. We're, we're bringing the, the future to the logo. So, um, took a little, a couple rounds, um, uh, worked with some great people to help develop it. And, and so we're yeah. super We could have a mini argument it. too. Cause I feel like there is two M's in here. And I just might be my brain having slight seizures as I'm looking at it, but don't overanalyze this. Kevin. I see, I see an M, so I see a P, which is a, which is the outline of a, of a home floor plan from above. And then I see a reverse M kind of in the dark, dark blue background that, that exists anyway. Yeah. I love if it. If you turn it sideways. No, don't do that. Yeah. So we have some great, great 
great things coming branding wise. I've been working on some fun things in the back end. So they're they're yeah. just starting to some come might alive. Say too many. Some some might say too many things, but they're, <laughs> they're about things. to roll out. There's All a right. lot. Andrew, what do you got? Oh man, I got some polls which would um support the last question of the week we had last week. And I was I just kept going like on Instagram. So I'll just start from the also actually start from the time order. So I put one up and it was essentially influencers and builder videos because I have feelings about that. I'm like, wonder what other people's feelings are about that. Um, surprisingly, 30% yes in favor of using influencers in builder marketing videos. 70% not in favor. That's you think that's surprising? Um, I feel like people talk about it. There's excitement around it. There's people that are, are doing it. My uh-huh. personal opinion on it is I think the influencer that is chosen can be very polarizing. And I think that's why the no is, is the safe answer. I think if you are going to use influencers, it'd be better to make sure you have more than one, more than two, more than three to kind of like fit different demographics. Yeah. So that, that's my biggest beef with them. Like, and then also like, if you got an influencer, like ideally they have something more interesting than, than just them being able to know how to do Instagram well or whatever platform they're on. So like they, yeah. Or, like or you go the opposite local end. Local chef or something like, or they I are. Fortunately, didn't else. fall down this rabbit hole, Andrew, but there's oh, someone, no. I, I, there's two things I do when I tuck my kids into bed, the younger ones as they're falling mm-hmm. asleep. Cause apparently we let them watch things they shouldn't watch. I don't know. They're just, dad, will you <laughs> please terrified. sit in the chair? Will you please sit in the chair for two minutes? I'm like, sure. Uh, and I, my go-to it's either Twitter or YouTube pretty much. And, um, Casey Neistat, fun okay. YouTuber. Mm-hmm. He's like, OG. Uh, he's the original. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, one of the OG like vloggers. And, um, there was a, there was a video about this girl who is the next Casey Neistat and she's employed by a sunglass company. I think I, I can't remember which one sunglass hut or something. Okay. And she's just going crazy. And so she vlogs and she talks about sunglasses, but mostly just vlogs and does kind of whatever, whatever you. And so I think you could, you could make an a, argument. She's a creator though. If that, which I, I don't like that word either. Well, she's an employee mean? of the sunglass company is what so she, she is. might not but, be in a, a creator. She might not actually do the editing and filming or is she? Yeah, I, I don't know, I but I think that that's an interesting idea is, and, and we talked about this with one of our, our builders in, in the South a couple of years ago with someone who was pretty progressive was let's have one or two salespeople, online salespeople. I don't know the, who, who do that job, but their, their second job is to become an influencer in, mm-hmm both to a target demographic, but also to a target segment, people looking at homes, but also, you know, speaking to the, to the demographic that they themselves are. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most interesting man in the world way to create it. You know, like, Oh, you don't have an influencer. You feel comfortable utilizing, you make your own celebrity, you know, the most interesting man in the world. That's just obviously an actor that they hired. So that's, that's the way to think about it. And, And someone I think got, had a viral thing going around of maybe Andrew, you said this to me, people like walking into a model home or something, or they're in Lowe's and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm here at the whatever. And they're like, Hey, you can't do that here. Was that, did you send me that? I don't know. I send oh, you a lot of things. You do send me a lot of I things. Forget, but I forget most of them. I, we've talked, we've hit on this point before. Of, we, yeah, we definitely talked about this. Influencers want to use model homes, especially oh, really sure. nice ones mm-hmm. as backdrops for things. And like hint, 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 we could do that too all the time. You know, yes. All the time. We had. It's, it is there. So that's, that's interesting. The next one would be, it, it was a follow-up question. So story right after the next story was, should leadership, leadership slash someone important at the company be in videos? 90% yes, 10% mm-hmm. no. Um, I've always been a fan of having leadership 
in the videos if they're good. That's like the cat. All these things have like you have to go down the path. Yeah. Sense. Mm-hmm. Like if they're awful on video, do not put that person on the video. But um, and yet, if they're and good, yet, do you remember Dave Thomas? Wendy's. Yeah. Old, old man Wendy's. Like that guy was one of the least should have been on television kind of people, and they still found a way to integrate him. That's true. To incredibly successful campaigns for decades. His look, he looks, he looks good. Like, yeah, he's Dave. I, I've I seen mean, him. who? Okay, yeah. I didn't recognize the name, but yeah, that's yeah, Dave Thomas, the founder the of Wendy's. Dude. And you know, he, I remember watching a documentary at one point, and I was just like, "Oh man, I don't think the documentary was a good idea because he just can't talk very well or very quickly or very." <laughs> <laughs> but he was, you know. So I think you have to obviously have everything come together, but your your leadership doesn't have to be the main, um, like the, the lead actor, so to speak, yeah. it can and be I a supporting actor. You can get around it. If you had multiple people and they have like a 10 second segment and whatever the, vi- I don't know what the video content is. We didn't, this was not the intent of that. It was just like, what are yeah. people feeling? Who should be in the videos? And the next one was just supporting that. Like people are definitely going to be making content. What type of content? No idea. It was just content, which is super generic. You have your own interpretation of what that actually means and doesn't mean. So I don't yeah. know what they meant by content no idea but more of it <laughs> yeah so, more of it and they're making it themselves who knows yep and then End we got the uh creating more content yourself in the answers to last week's question of the week um yeah or the the rematch round two of jackie versus andrew i think we we talked about that later when we came to the conclusion it's oh good you guys made up in between we said we wanted to continue the conversation and we kind of decided it's the content that's for social it's the in-between content it's not the standard on the website like you said kevin like it's not the hero images it's not likely the standard picture set for a home it's everything in between that buyers are looking for and that a lot of builders don't really have a lot of it's all those things that's hard to pay someone to do because you don't know what yeah, the it is. day-to-day is the internal team definitely and and it's also i i think when andrew and i spoke it, like the size of your team is going to factor into what is is needed and i think we oh, touched sure. on last time you know i was a one person team you know is that yeah. is that really realistic the to be able to people. do everything no, no but if you have five six people you know it should be on someone to do even um, two trust me going from one to two it's it's like whoa what happened here i've got time to go <laughs> visit models and talk to sales mm-hmm. reps and all that stuff yeah Fun stuff. all right um my story is some theory so the ios rollout happened um, for me and several people that I checked with, although apparently not everyone, because several of you commented in the Facebook group that this was not the case. Uh, for me, when you go into settings and then privacy, there is a tracking option that says allow apps to request to track. Mine was set off. I don't recall ever turning it there. A couple other people verified theirs was also set yeah. to off. Don't didn't remember touching it. Many people have it set to on. But then what's interesting is that isn't enough. That has to be on, and then a platform or a site or an app can request to allow that tracking, but they have to make that request overtly. And have you guys gotten any requests? Well, I just realized I, I haven't updated yet. Oh, gosh. So we'll go we'll 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 next come back. week. I'm going to do yeah. it while we're I, on. I haven't noticed anything, but... Oh man, I'm probably in Andrew's boat. It was like Christmas morning. As soon as I found out today was the for sure the day. I'm like, let's check. I'm yep, we're it. getting it updated. Waiting, you know, what what is this going to look like? 
I have not been asked by anyone to allow tracking yet. And I think that's interesting, but it does Honor. make sense because it's a one and done option. Like if you don't do that at the right time for the right reason, someone says, no, you're in the penalty box. Someone's going to have to go way back into those settings and go back to that specific app that's requesting that and turn it back on, which is almost never going to happen. And so this, I, I just think the psychology of this and the strategy was, which may not even be real, this will all be made up, but as soon as I, I start opening up all the different apps, like someone's going to ask for permission, at least I can get a screenshot of what this looks like. The only app that did that was Twitter, shockingly, hmm. but it didn't ask permission. And this is what I think is evil genius on Twitter's part. Oh, three times in a row in the same day when I opened up Twitter, it prompted me with something that I'm not even sure it needed to ask me at, at this point, almost uh, a full week after the rollout. I don't remember what those things were. Unfortunately, I didn't put in my notes, but they were like, would you like to see your friend's tweets? Yes or no. I mean, it was, it was, it was rather generic, but I, I felt like I was just being prompted to respond to those as if no big deal. And Twitter was kind of warming me up to, to the idea that hitting yes oh. when that prompt shows up is a good idea. And I, it's like sales these, training, sales technique. These right companies now. are all smart enough that I, I feel like that is true, but I, I don't know that it's true. But I feel like that's why Facebook hasn't asked me yet. And I feel like that's why Twitter is showing me more prompts as I open than I've ever had in like the last three years of using Twitter when I open it. That makes sense. So suddenly teaching you to say yes soon to have they asked you the big yeah. question? Have they proposed to you on right. tracking? <laughs> right. No. No one has. Not yet. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's because cities. they're all terrified of Gotcha. Why not why not let someone else ask and see what data or reporting we can glean from how that's going? It, the risk is too great to just throw it out there as an automatic request every time you you can. So I think there's just I think it's just a good little psychological um, puzzle to That's watch good. these folks, you know, work through and a good lesson of moving quickly is often not the best strategy. Sometimes it is. You want to yep. be the first mover on something. Sometimes you don't and figuring out, you know, that, that trade-off is interesting. Also, um, most random story time thing ever. I've started seeing pictures in my mind as I'm on coaching calls. <laughs> I was, I was on with Julie and someone else. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm having some type of Rain Man-esque like moment here where I'm, you know, I always talk about trade-offs and balancing first. and how important that is when we're making decisions, understanding all the trade-offs. And I started seeing these visual pictures of like a seven-sided teeter-totter, which can't exist. It'd be almost like a weeble wobble or like that, that octopus thing at the fair that swirls around. But like having okay. to self-balance all, because in today's market, and depending on what the builder wants to accomplish, it's, it's, less clear than ever what all those different trade-offs are. And normally you're talking about trade-offs of pace or margin, customer sat or whatever. And now it's like, no, we're talking about all these things in this one topic that we're trying to digest. And I, I, I froze for a moment because I just saw, I'm going to try to find an artist or someone who can make it because I think it'd be a cool piece of abstract yeah. art to put cool in my make new it like office. A program to like, let's sell more homes. And all of a sudden, like the whole thing starts <laughs> twisting this <laughs> way. Like let's lower sales and but then you you lower sales pace and you see future revenue yeah. start to like I promise I'm not on revenue. any new medication, but I, I just started I'm I'm starting to see much more pictures in my brain lately as I'm as I'm talking through concepts, which is kind well, of I think that goes along with the idea of the the theme of last week was just like 
chaos. There's, there's just so everyone's trying to solve problems and it's just creating more and more confusion and chaos. And, and that's exactly that. What, yeah. When you're done riding the octopus ride at the fair, you're just also confused and don't know where to walk. So go vomit somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, I, and I think the reason I stopped to explain it on the call was I, I was having this like mental hiccup where I was processing all those different trade-offs at once and knowing that on a call, just like on a phone call, if someone pauses for three seconds, you're like, you still there? You okay? We good? And on video, it's like, did, did the internet, like, Kevin, you still there? So I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm processing this picture right now in my head. Hold on. Give me a second. Anyway, random. all right, moving on to the news, which we have a new sound effect because of, oh, I can't do my hands. Some of the news that we've got to share. Oh, this is good. I feel like I just won. It's not the end of Super Mario. Mario, when you like get to the I don't know flag. where that sound effect's from, but it is an award sound effect because yeah. one of the new things that we've been working on for a little while is the Market Proof Awards. Ooh. This is the here? first time publicly saying that name anywhere. Uh, you can go to marketproofawards.com to check it out. There will be links in the show notes, all the places you'll see little teasers for this. But we just wanted to take a quick second to talk about what they are and why they even exist. They're in other industries, and, and I think even in our industry around different things, just not sales and marketing. There are often awards programs that are more focused on um, design and innovation. And then there's ones that are more focused around data and results. And it just, I guess, I guess let me back up a second. So we have, I have this unicorn mug um, behind me on my wall that many of you have seen on videos here and there. And people started getting kind of aggressive about like, when am I getting my mug? Cause the mug is like an unofficial award of you've graduated to become a marketing. And it's very unofficial. Maybe started it like five years ago. Half the people listening might be like, what are you even talking? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? But people, people are like, when am I getting my mug? What do I have to do to get this mug? And I'm like, this isn't a real thing. It's just a little crazy looking 3d 3d horse uh but but it did signify something and so i was like wow interesting there there is obviously something about awards and i've i've won awards before um as well but a lot of the people that i respect the most like steve shoemaker ha has had a history um at ideal of saying when he's worked with outside partners like just to be clear up front if you work with us you will never submit anything for an award because of his own prior experience of agencies that do that tend to create content for the specific purpose of award entry later, not necessarily to create results. Because sometimes the result, the path to results looks and feels kind of boring versus yeah. being brand new and innovative or maybe worth what you want to pay. So all those things are circling around. And then um, we also just want to provide category options. And, and Andrew and Jackie did most of the legwork on this. So I'll shut up here in a second and let them talk more about it. But categories that stage. are that are useful in, in saying, oh, I can learn something from that and, and apply it to what I'm working on like next week. It's not just marketing director of the year. You know, they've put in 40 years into this career of theirs and they have this amazing team that's helping them accomplish all the things and they got a, a budget the size of Oregon. And so now they can be crowned the best person uh, do, doing this, right? Th these categories Royalty. and... And kind of the approach is, is a little bit different. 
it's essentially everything that you touch on a weekly or daily basis that you have to make a decision on like more individual. So like there could be like overall website, but you're like, what does that even mean? Cause every site is different. So yeah, one of the hardest questions to answer that that, that we yeah. can answer is what is the best home builder website? Well, for what part are you talking about? And that kind of led Correct. us into saying, well, then we should focus in on the different parts. Why not? Why not go to the more granular level? That's not as sexy setting as best website. Although Tilson homes, you do have one of the best websites and that was a clear should, should have one. I love the video uh, that background, one. the hero videos. So we're talking about, you know, like best community page, best inventory homepage, um, most innovative um, adaptation or best website shopping tool, things that are uh, more focused versus uh, and potentially less open to random interpretation or broad interpretation as to what that really means. Yep, exactly. And then digital marketing campaigns jump into the different type of channels, content, it could be video, which would be like community video, but brand or testimonial, just like if you need an example, like here's a great way to execute this. That's mm -hmm. really the end goal. And then also on the judging side, like let's have evidence of why this is the best for all different size builders, which like, so you can't, so it's going to be judged very evenly with unbiased with a chance for big builder, medium builder, little builder, all yeah. to be on the same playing field. Cause if it's by sales, like, of course, the big giant community is going to win the yeah. award, but that's not useful for everybody that that's the only weight in the decision for the, for and, someone to win something. Yes. And, and to be clear, I think all the people entering, you know, this is going to be outside judges, unbought, you know, we'll, we'll have the data. You'll have an opportunity to submit a video to accompany uh, your entries to explain, you know, the process and, and uh, numbers behind um, each program as well as, you know, we're going to do our homework to follow up with um, the data points for each submission. I think when people are looking for resources, this is going to be an absolute great submission process for people to prove that uh, and, and to other marketing teams is this is our best results campaign. Here's how to do it. Here's the steps we took. Yeah, and but it's not just the the pretty size of the numbers. Again, I think one of yeah. the things going going to from this at the very beginning was if a builder in Iowa who has a total marketing budget of 50 grand does something that causes the sale of three or four homes or um, qualified leads of a certain size or, or solves a particular challenge or problem, mm -hmm. that should absolutely be celebrated at the same amount as a builder with 10 times the budget doing, you know, doing something that, that also is innovative. And so trying to find a way to, to give those people really a fair, a fair chance of, in some ways you could have called this the innovator awards because what we're talking about is people who make the most out of whatever they're investing. Um, and oftentimes that, that creates the need for some type of innovation or risk-taking to try something new or different, but we don't want to celebrate new or different that distracts us. As you can tell, that's a theme of ours at Do You Convert. We don't like distracting people from what's important. And so here's a way to figure out which one of those new and different things or new approaches actually brought a tangible result to the organization. Yeah. Um, and uh, there will be a couple other pieces that like customer experience innovation. Um, so for example, pre-purchase experience or post-purchase experience. And then of course, because it's the market proof awards, but we're powered by do you convert online sales will have three categories as well. But again, not online sales person of the year. It's, it's different categories like the best pre-sale nurturing program, video, email, superstar, et cetera. 
Um, so some of the common questions that we we put a fact on the site, but just to talk about it here on the on the podcast as well, is there will be a submission fee of fifty dollars. All of that will go to charity. Um, agencies cannot submit uh, for an award. This the judges outside of one, um, none of whom will be do you convert employees, uh, will be home builders themselves. And uh, we just think that's really important that that home builders need to be the winners and home builders also need to be the people submitting for this. So again, that that kind of Steve Shoemaker voice in my head of an agency submitting something that the builder doesn't even know that has been submitted that we, we don't we don't want that to happen. Um, and so uh, the judging process will well the, the entries will open up on May 10th and then submissions will close at the end of June. So awesome. you got plenty of time, but what you can do is hop on the website, check out the categories and the details that are there. And then you can also sign up to be notified as soon as submissions open. More to come on that. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. covered it. So <laughs> that's one of the things. The other thing is uh, you've probably at this point seen the video, but the 2021 Online Sales and Marketing Summit hype video is out and about. Uh, Jackie, great job on that. Working with uh, John Sherman, uh, the video came off awesome. Good job. It's so yeah, super, super fun to work with. And like, it doesn't matter how many times I watch that video. I'm, I get so excited. It's like 2015, 2016. We skip 2020 if you don't. Yeah, that it. first part is the most fun. I, Especially yeah, it's, having experienced it myself. I'm like, oh yeah, that place, that and that place. Yeah. Wow. We have been doing this a while. That's, I would love a poll. Great. This might be a bad idea. <laughs> a poll of your favorite venue from previous summits. Which is hard because unless you've been to all of them, that's really not a fair. You all can't of judge. them have, you know, They're I, I went different. to a lot of them. They're all, yeah, they all had great um, offerings, different circumstances, you know. Yeah, and, this one's kind of a makeup in that sense. The first ever online sales and marketing summit was in Dallas at a company that was an old um, oil headquarters. Gosh, I don't remember the name of it, but it was, was like Dallas. it was a little on the small side, a little on the old side. I think we said the word historic back then. Uh, and you had to walk across the street to eat and to go to some of the different sessions, which was, which was bizarre. So instead now we're going full on Gaylord Texan resort where this thing has like a mini Alamo inside. I think there's a lazy river. If you've ever been to a Gaylord, these things are, are enormous. Uh, and so space will not be a challenge overall. The only thing, you know, we understand that this is not going to be the same like sellout in two hours because a lot of you're going to have to talk to your employer about if you're allowed to travel, whether you personally feel comfortable traveling or not. Um, but there will potentially be an issue with ticket availability and the size of this year's venue, just because we do want to make sure we're doing things uh, according to the CDC guidelines. Cause again, it's in Texas, so it should just be do what you want Texas style <laughs> overall. But people are coming from all over the country and in some cases outside of the country to attend this event. So we just wanted to follow the CDC guidelines, which may limit the, the total amount of people that we can hold. So check out onlinesalesummit.com. Check out the video. Um, we'd love to have you join us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast uh, anyway you, you look yeah. at it. And we are we are shifting. We'll talk about this more in coming weeks. But the approach to the event really is like, let's not have this be a bunch of Zoom calls in person. We're in person, so let's really try to try to do things differently to take advantage of the fact that we are all together. So while we're going to do it safely, we are going to overemphasize human to human interaction, uh, more panels than than before. Um, just 
again, anything we can do to take advantage of the fact that we're all in the same place together. That's, that's the plan, including that will be the place where the award winners or the market proof awards will be announced for the first time at the cocktail reception ish wow. thing. If we are able to have one, um, we'll be able I to announce like those first there and then cocktail reception come. at your table that you were at before. Yeah, right? Who knows? That would be, yeah, just alternate. To, I don't know. Who knows? No, I think we'll, we'll be able to do it out. outside or in a space where where it'll be it'll be fantastic it's, it's awesome. four and a half acres this place is is incredibly spacious so i feel very comfortable that you know we're we're gonna make it work awesome I'm all excited. right moving on to the real news from cnbc.com zuckerberg outlines how facebook will thrive after apple's policy pri privacy change so first of all as a as a owner of facebook stock yesterday was a great day it went up like 30 points when they announced that their revenue i think was up like 49% year over year um most of it andrew you were saying was from ad prices increasing by like yeah, 30 prices, some percent on average and then ad demand i think if i remember correctly i need to find the article again but i believe it was like over 30% increase in ad cost but only a t only 12% increase in actual ad volume which is still like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. That stuff is interesting. But if you're doing, I don't think I need to pull it up, but like our ad costs definitely did not go up 30%. Um, so if you're doing it right, you should have not like check your stuff. Like it should not be yeah. that in that range. No, it, it, for the most part, costs are, are not going up. And also overall Facebook ad spend for builders nationally down about 60 ish percent as an average um, year over year. So, I just thought it was interesting to see Zuck's take on this call where so much of the attention is on this privacy shift from Apple and iOS, what that's going to do. And we've talked before about how to get prepared. Andrew wrote a fantastic article. You've got the conversion API that's rolling out um, as well, mm -hmm. which will handle things from the server side versus the client side. Details, details. I think it was interesting to hear Zuck talk about the other two things they really want to focus on is not for... Um, everything, but they really want to continue to push e-commerce opportunities on Facebook and Instagram, among other platforms, where for small businesses, you can, you don't have to rely on that data from your website or some other place because you're not sending them anywhere else. You're doing it all on the platform. So similar to how we've talked before about Amazon truly knows the most because they know what we actually buy. Creepy. Um, yeah. Facebook and Instagram want to get on the, on that game. And then as well, the other thing that, that he talked about is that they have a huge initiative that they're working on related to content creators. So influencers, musicians, artists, um, people who right now have to use another platform to monetize uh, their audience. They want to create tools that will allow people to do that native in the platform as well. And so again, the more they can keep you within the platform, instead of having to leave to go other, other places to do these other things, the more data they will have kind of self-contained um, in, in the platform. So yeah. I, I should have given up metrics pre prepared, but if they, they, in their, um, reports, they have like the average revenue per user and it's quite low. Like what I generate in ad revenue, mm -hmm. user. it's like 20 to $30, I think if you're in the U S and so just thinking about like, could I in a given quarter actually spend that much money with like, I don't know, maybe we buy a shirt from, let's say if we had a shop like on Facebook, I could probably like generate that or just like shopping here, shopping there, or if they did things with restaurants, delivery, anything like that. Like it's, it, I'm just like, this is insane. Like they could, the amount of increase in revenue is huge. That's still untapped potential for Facebook. Um, not relevant for builders to get into, but just thinking about Facebook in general, like that's a lot Yeah, that could happen. Yep. 
Yep. All right, moving on to an article from Inman.com. Jackie found this one. Although I remembered reading it um, earlier in the week, so I'm glad you grabbed it. Zestments can't keep up with wild housing market, agents say. Agents from around the country talk about the widening gap between Zestments and MLS home value data as inventory shortages push prices to new highs. Yeah, I so, think we've, there's this, you can't satisfy agents is basically the summary of, <laughs> of this article. Well, yeah, to I've be fair in, to yeah. Sean Carpenter is at my house um, talk, talking about listing it and, and he didn't spin it negatively at all. It was just like a, a very matter of fact, like, what do you think you want to list the house for? We set a number and I said, and, and PS, this is, this is also a different number that Zillow is saying. And, and he was the first to just kind of matter of factly be like, yeah, but you probably can go higher. A lot of times right now, those estimates are low because it can't take into account how much any one person, like it's trying to look at the market. It's not built yeah. to handle the one desperate person who's got to move and wants this really badly and has the cash. And that's the other thing too, that it would be interesting. I, I think the MLS data would show this, but the difference between the offer that's accepted and then we see a ton of comments around the internet about made my offer at 600 but there ain't no way this thing's going to appraise for that, right? Cross your fingers. So the price is probably going to come way down if that hasn't been negotiated in advance. But yeah, it's it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, I've been watching this estimate on, I'm sure anyone listening, if you watch your own estimate, you're like, huh, it's going up again. That's interesting. It's going up again. It's going up again. And then for us, I want there's like no homes that fit what we have in the area that I'm in. So I'm like, I know this is going up based on just average demand and prices and all the all over their algorithm works for the area. But like, it's still like the individual home is the hard part as far as getting that calculated. So. Yeah. And I think they, they talk about in the article, how in Sacramento and some other areas, Zillow estimates can be as high or as low as 10% off. And it's just because of the volatility of the market and how fast it's going um, is what seasoned agents are seeing. It's an interesting point that they they make in the article from an agent saying, even even really good agents don't know what something. I mean, How's we that? could we could we can make the argument that a lot of real, a lot of builders don't know really where the market is at any given time too. This is that this is that octopus happening graphic where it's just like. <laughs> yes. And what's what's fun is yeah. like this. We were having conversations like this two years ago before there's any craziness. Like it's it, there's always this tension between this estimate and what actually happens with that individual oh. home that then supports the whoever doesn't like it. I argument. can't remember where I was, but there was a Zillow rep and someone stood up in the crowd to yell at them about Zestimates because they're like, Oh, no, that's like every event. Oh ever. my goodness. I felt so <laughs> Sorry, bad. Zillow. I know. He's like, uh, I, it, I don't have any input on that. Like that's like well, you, 40 people you know, over there. Yeah. We even talked to builder partner who's like the Zestimate people with the Zestimates. Well, you know, is it actually the Zestimate? That's just a small detail of what people will actually you know, there, there's the actual factor of what people will spend. So take it with a grain of salt. I, I know they put a lot into it and I know it's, it's always a work in progress. So. Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it is more than a grain of salt because it's in the right universe, right? It's in the right solar system. Even it's just, mm -hmm. it's uh, un, unless you can also hit the button that says sell my home to Zillow right now for this price, yeah. it's meant it, it still has the word estimate built into that word, right? There is a Z on it, but. <laughs> It's an estimate. You know, it's interesting. I'm on Zillow right now on my screen and mm -hmm. I was just looking at homes, my area. There's this one home. It's priced at 979. And I'm like, yeah, that's a little crazy for that. And this estimate is at 708. But it right. says at the top, the price, it says view estimate. 
Now we go to another home that's on the water, 1.3 million. The estimate's 1.34. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they're, if the list price and estimate, if there's a big difference, they're now, they're hiding this estimate with that view estimate. Uh, that's interesting. Thing, which is, I mean, that 980 yeah. price. Tech companies are smart. I would insane. I, I think it makes sense. Yeah. All right. Moving on from KUTV.com. Utah home builder opts for no bidding wars when selling its houses. And we don't have the full audio, but there is a, a video segment here that was quite entertaining to watch where it talks about the fact that this home builder is doing something revolutionary in the state of Utah. <laughs> and um, it seems like a big PR opportunity, which isn't oh, a bad thing sure. either. Yeah. But um, this this company's name, Gold Crest Homes, um, they said that, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to let people bid up the price in these homes. The price is the price. And the first thing was, I, I found this article because one of the builders we do work with shared like, this is not something new. This is, this is generally speaking, how it's been done forever is the price is the price. But so, so I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't want to come off overly negative here. Good, good PR opportunity. But at the I'll end of the, the day, I'll be the negative one. They're, they're offering the homes only when they are essentially completed. So they know what their margins are, which is good. And that's smart. Um, but they're saying the price is the price, but their price is going to be elevated. I was on a call with a builder that we work with in Utah who was like, absolutely. There's several builders doing that right now where they're, they're even saying things like, well, you can, you can still buy a house from us. Like we're not like those other people and we're not going to change your price on you, but their base price starts at like 70 grand over where everyone else's brace base price is right now. And they're still only releasing a limited number. So one of those builders after that call, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go try it out. I went on and I waited for 15 minutes on the chat tool. No one ever answered. And finally just said, would you like to leave a message? That's annoying. You should turn chat off if you can't respond to it. For sure. Uh, but the, then I tried to call because there was one home site left, like interactive site map. It's green. You want so it? I'm just going to call and say, I want it. It rings twice. There's this awkward pause, like some garbly electronic sounds, and then it just hangs up on me. Call back, same exact experience. So like the all the all the marketing and the blog posts are like, we're still doing it the old way, and and yet you can't actually even start to buy a house with them. So this just um, it, it was just interesting that I thought that the news this, that's really why I chose this one. Like the 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 news company thought this was innovative enough to report it as such or that people would find it interesting. That, that was really like, huh, hmm. kind of blows my mind. And I just feel like it's like, like you said, the, her price is probably elevated. So she's just avoiding the bidding by just putting what will very likely be the, the bid price. So if it should be, not should. If it was 600, she's like, oh, I'll just do like 660, 670 and just not have bids and just deal with less people. And this is what the price is. Um, yeah. And again, yeah, just shout out to Sean. It. He said the same thing for our house. He was like, no, you should it makes more sense in today's world. Put it, put it at this higher price point. And so you only get six offers versus 42. Yeah. Like that's What's what you wanted offers. it for. And do you want someone who can only really afford half of that, but really loves your home and wants to see if they can make it happen? No, you don't. So push it. I higher. love letters from an offers. Don't need those. Oh, right. Yeah. I love but your home. I this can envision here, my children growing up in it. This quote here just cracked me up. Ross Ford, executive officer at the Utah Home Builders Association, said, this is an interesting approach as builders try to navigate this difficult market. 
That's so nice. <laughs> so political. So the interesting approach is this is how much the home is and you can buy it. Ford said he was unaware of Goldcrest's home's, home's decision, but was intrigued by it. We'll see if it works. We'll see if it catches on and other people do it. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I mean, maybe he just started this year. I don't, I don't know, yeah. but that was an That's interesting goofy. quote. Very neutral. Yeah. So the other thing that came to mind on this before we hop over to our last news story is that, is that the most fair way to do it? To say you can get in this line and it, or it's first come first served oh, yeah. first in, come, in this current come. marketplace, first come first served and the price is the price as a consumer. Um, do you, do you think you'd prefer that over make your offer and then we'll see if it, if it happens? I think in this market, I would prefer make your offer. Yeah. Cause I want a chance. Like, I'd rather have a chance than like, oh, my kids had an activity Wednesday night and I couldn't get yeah, there. So here, let's play a quick game, both of you guys. And then you just raise your hand and I'll tell the audience when, when, okay. when you're out. So you're in the market for your dream home. Okay. Envision your dream home. Envision it. And you guys can play along at home as well. Those, those listeners. Okay. So you, you approach the builder of your dream home that's in your price point, And they tell you that it is first come first served. Are you interested? Okay. And and then when you oh. become no longer interested, okay. keep your hands up. Raise your hand. Oh. Raise your hand when you're no longer interested. If you're driving, don't play what? at home. Andrew, okay? hand down. Wait, yeah. wait. You have to have your hand down first, Andrew. Oh. When you're, you're no longer interested. When you're out. Oh, this, this might hand, take like, a while. I don't want yeah. I don't want to okay. put your hand. You're, you're looking out for us and driving. Yeah, okay. looking out for you. Okay. So, if I told you that there's two people beside you that's interested. Still in? Okay, you're still yeah. in. Still Five in. people? Still 10 in. people, 20 people. Yeah. 20. I'm out. 20. Jackie's I I, out. I don't okay. care what number it is. 40. Like, no, no. Cause it's first come first served and you're, Oh yeah. You're number 40 in line. Oh, I thought you meant there's 40 other uh, sales agents. Like, Hey, there's 40 other people interested just so you know. Yeah. But it's first come know, first served. So I, you don't know if you're going to be first in line. That's what I, I mean, I don't know what number game, it could be, but it's that that's my point is at some point that is compelling. It's just not clear from yeah. a messaging standpoint. But at some point that becomes uncompelling and it'll be different for everyone. Yeah. If there's like five other people in line, 10 other people, 50 people, a hundred, at some point the line is going to get so large that yeah. everyone who could become a new prospect for that, that property is like, yeah, no. Yeah. If no. I'm number 40, I'm like, forget you. But I, okay. I was interpreted like there's 40 other people interested. Well, that, okay. So this is the other version of that game. Versus I'm I think. number 40. Well, then I'd be like, forget We'll see you. if this one's more successful for you, Andrew. Okay. There's yeah. a tickle, tickle me Elmo on the shelf inside of the Walmart. Okay. It's first come, first served, and it's not number of people. But how many people are rushing into that store with you to get that tickle me Elmo? At what point do you say it's not worth it? If there's yeah. if there's four hundred people, and if I pull is, up to the parking lot and it looks too busy, I'm, I'm oh yeah, yeah, who cares? I, so that, that sounds like Black Friday shopping. Like I'm not doing but, it. You yeah, can't. But that make makes me. me feel like those people are already in front of me versus like we're all in the store. We don't know when, but suddenly tickle me Elmo is going to be somewhere yep. on the shelf. And I am aware. And everyone like, listening. I'm going to go find it. This, this talk is coming from the person who has had, you know, dozens of builders around the country share videos and photos of people camping overnight to get a home. So I, I totally understand if you're screaming at, at your device right now, but I just think the psychological place that most consumers are is I don't even have a chance. At, at some point, you just don't want to compete with the crowd in a first come first served offer. And that's always been the tension for those of you who are pre-sale without fail fanatics, you know that after I walk the home site with Andrew in the typical scenario, and he is pre-approved and he's done all the things, I don't promise you that home site 10 is yours, 
But I do let Andrew know because of that psychological insecurity that so far, Andrew, you're in a really good shape to be to to, to be able to get home site ten. I can't promise it's yours. It's still first come, first serve, but you're in really good like, shape. There is that balance. But I still yeah. need hope. I think there's like everyone loses hope at some point. If I pull up to the store and there's mm -hmm. forty other people for that one item, I've already lost hope. But if I'm yeah. if I don't know what number I am, then I still have hope. And, I think and so this person and this builder is unwilling to let people bid up prices, but they're not necessarily providing any more certainty. Makes sense. Like if I talk yeah. to you and you're like, oh yeah, it's sense. first come first served and we're going to release that home on Thursday. And then you show up on Thursday morning thinking At I've woken up early enough, like opens. again, Black yeah. Friday. And then you show up yeah. and there's already seven people in line. Well, crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's I would just, just turn around. It almost, yeah. I feel like talking this through it, that's actually, um, I feel like that's worse. Like that's not, that's less customer centric than letting people. And this is, they, again, we have a visceral reaction to make an offer because we don't like scalpers. We don't like the people who did this with toilet paper and hand sanitizer not that long ago. You know, we don't like paying four times face value for concert tickets. I get it. I get it. And yet I think there are more things to consider that may make offers a more fair yeah. way to, to, to go about it. Also, let's just real quickly, <laughs> sorry guys, you know, you're, you're used to this though. So I don't need yeah. to say sorry to you, meaning all of you listening. Um, let's stop saying highest and best or biggest and best or any, like we should just be saying best offer if you are doing that, because best does not mean highest price. Best does not necessarily mean any, like it, it it is just whatever you, the builder, perceive to be the best. Yeah. And the buyer perceives. Yeah. I think Jackie, did we talk about this before? Like highest yeah. and best leaves you with a more negative feeling. We kind of Wait, and we had like, a we had a meeting with a builder partner too, where they were we were picking that name apart and they're like, it should be, it should be best. We're like, yes, thank you. You see it. Because um it, it's just for people's needs and what builders' needs, and they just need to be able to work together to find out who is the it's, best home builder. Home it's home that builder. I still want a chance. Like if you say mm -hmm. highest and best and the home is 400 and they're, and what they could afford is just, up, is just is up to 415. If you say highest and best, they're like, I know other people yeah, can afford more than me. I'm already going to lose. But best yeah, is like, oh, that might be, that might have a chance at 415. It's a more of a compelling conversation starter too. Yeah. Like, oh, best offer. Can you explain that to me? Yes, I can. Versus highest. Oh, I'm uh, yeah. in this well, market. I'm probably out. For the Oakley family, when we sell our house, the best will certainly not just be the most expensive. It'll be the ones mm -hmm. who say, yes, you can stay in your house until your new home being built is complete. Right. That That's yeah. going to be a huge part of what best means for us. I move into Ohio. <laughs> come on come on now all right last one uh google data studio report publishing feature update andrew this was one that you added in and i agree this is a huge yeah celebration like for those of you who use data studio super nerdy noise or something but yes this was amazing i i don't even know how i found this it like snuck through it might have been an email or something but if if you're familiar working in, in google data studio if you make any change currently it updates the live version instantaneously which if it's just you in there, it doesn't matter. But if you have a team looking at these reports, that could be an issue. So mm -hmm. if you turn this feature on, you have to turn it on. It is not a default setting. It allows you to make edits and then publish the edits. So the live report, which you, so then if you need a week to fix this report or adjust the report, you don't have to push that out or have the report down. So you turn on the feature that allows publishing. 
and then you can make edits and then you have to then click a publish report button, which is super cool for those that are adjusting these all the time. Yeah. And we're going to have to have nice. Sarah from, from our team back on soon. Cause she's doing some freaking oh, yeah. wizardry it's getting crazy data yeah. studio reports that for, for one of the larger builders that we work with, it's just going to be f- a phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome seeing that unfold stuff coming like, Oh, look at you. It's awesome. And I also just happen to have uh, a data studio report up of our own as well, because I mentioned this on our team call earlier today. Uh, ever since really February, the trend on organic traffic around the country nationally has been going down and to the right, but still above year over year numbers. And it's just now at the end of April, turned the corner and appears to be heading up again. And so Great. Those of you who have caught your breath, congratulations, because we might be about to hit another surge of home interest when what is traditionally the peak market for existing homes hits right about now through the end of the summer. So just I hope you've taken your rest period and you've enjoyed it and you've put plans in place to deal with demand because it looks like it's still early. It's only a couple days into an upward trend, but it's pretty steep back up the other way. And if that if that continues to grow, we're going to be right back um, where we were in February in some of those hotter markets. Fun times. Yeah, it is fun. It is I think, was it Allie Wolf recently put out a tweet where she just started comparing cities and markets to just peppers? She's like, red hot oh, pepper, yeah. this pepper. She's like, I don't even know how to say this That's anymore. So much fun. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, am I a pepper? So it's just going nuts again. What kind of yeah, pepper? Yeah, I mean, it's... It, I'm conflicted on this point because this is the best home builder market ever of all time. And yet, because a lot of people didn't have systems and processes in place to, to account for the situation that we find ourselves in, um, someone texted me and said, you know, uh, other folks have started talking about it as a, as a crappy market. Like, well, no, I don't think you were around then in 2008 because that was a crappy market you always want to be in a position where people want your product and see the value in it. Uh, that, you know, so, so I forget who said this originally, but you don't ever blame the market for where you're in good or bad. Like the, the, the best market you have is the market that you have. It's, it's the only market that you have. Um, so I, I don't, there, there are challenges and there's different challenges and, and it's a different set of, of muscles, maybe, so to speak, that the, that the leadership has to flex. Um, but the good companies have leaders flexing those muscles. I mean, we have builders who are not um, way behind on construction, whose margin, I mean, they're, 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 they're crying and complaining because, you know, our margins are down 2% over the last six months. And, and, and so that everything is relative, right? It is not bad everywhere by any means uh, in terms of, of conditions. All right. I'm looking for last week's question of the week so we can finish this oh there we go so what the question was what percentage of your content is currently created in-house and then bonus in the comments simply say if you think you will create more or less content in-house over the next two years so by a mile i don't know i mean 75 80 percent looks like yeah um with over 30 38 votes um was over 50 percent and then another yeah Wait. Over 50% in-house currently. Oh, okay, in-house. Um, and then 20 to 50% was number two with about 
10% of the vote. And then just a single one of you said less than 20%. So currently the majority of content kind of regardless of size is done in house. And then there was uh, 13 or so of you who commented um, mostly more, um, but there's a couple of people in particular that I think it's worth reading the comments who said less and maybe um, give some insight into why you might be a little bit against the grain in that sense. Yeah. Um, Jackie, yes. read Sarah's. Yeah. Cause I think Sarah and I kind of, this is almost our argument. Yeah, you're on the same week. vibe. We're on the same vibe. Um, she's like, I prefer to work with specific vendors that specialize in this type of content, which that leaves me with more time to strategize and plan new initiatives. We also live in an area with tons of creative talent. So I'm at no loss for option. Very thankful for that. And I think that again, even with myself and when I worked with the builder, I was in a, had a very good talent. I was able to utilize that, you know, in terms of thinking for a bigger picture, that's where her mind is. And especially if you're depending on how large your team can get. Um, sometimes you, you need those extra, just few hours a week to, um, know what's going on, fix your, you know, come up with your data things you need to focus on. And so you, you do need to hand some things off, but it seemed like most, most people are more Andrew. I'm not sure if there's any in there. Uh, Jake here gave a good. Yeah. Jake, I give awesome his answer. Yeah. I'll jump in there. Um, he's, he put in there, it depends on how much weight box brownie gets for making my photos look <laughs> oh, yeah. better. I'm doing photos and 3D tours of all completed homes, new drone photos and videos of new subdivision phases. Other than box brownie, only items not done in-house are interactive plat maps and 3D renderings. So it sounds like, Jake, if I interpret that correctly, most editing is done out of house with box brownie, which I think is perfect because I uh -huh. saw um, there's a builder in the D.C. area and he pulled up some photos he took. He was just out that weekend and he, was, and he stopped by one of the projects, which are like one to four million dollar condos on a premium, premium, premium location. I'm like, how'd you take those photos? He's like, on my phone. I'm like, are you joking me? But they're edited by Box Brownie. So mm -hmm. they made them straight. They did perfect contrast, white balance, all those things. And I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I'm like, but then at the same time, yeah. I'm like, I wish he had like a legit camera with him because then it'd be like the next level up. But he just did it because he just happened to be by and they still look, you know, eight and a half, nine out of 10. It's like, this is awesome. Like, good, good for yeah. you. So yeah, edit out of house um, for sure. And because it's, it's so cheap. Yeah. Each builder knows their own needs. And so obviously yeah, it depends you're, on you're, how good of a photographer you are, honestly. And I don't mean this specifically to you, Jake, but I remember one time I visited a newspaper back when newspapers were like a common part of our life behind the scenes. And the newspaper photographer was like, yeah, you know, if I have to edit a photo for more than 10 seconds, I just know I shot it wrong. Like I, I didn't do the right thing when I took the picture. Uh, so, so in that sense, you may not need box brownie and everything, but yeah, I mean, there's also no shame when it's that, that price is that low, like just send it all to them and, and get it taken care of. All right. The new question sure. of the week, even though it's not labeled as such in the Facebook group oh, is um, some, something that hit me. It is hard, but I think it's, it's, to me, it's fun. Sometimes hard questions are fun. Which scenario do you think is more likely to indicate that a home building company is firing on all cylinders? So the first scenario is you're in a highly competitive market, say Austin, Texas, where there's, okay. you know, 40 different large home building companies that you're competing against or Dallas or Houston, any, any market in Texas, honestly. Um, but similarly, a large number of transactions are occurring. So it's a big pool with lots of fish in it. Um, or do you think someone who is, who has a relatively small amount of competitors and, um, trying to think of a market like a, like a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I think there's like three, four ish builders of size there. 
but there's not as historically as a percentage of number of real estate transactions, the vast majority of people like um, more than 90% are choosing existing over new construction. Okay. Which one of those, if you, if you talk to a builder and they're like, yeah, we're killing it, we're, we're taking market share, we're growing, which one of those is more impressive or more like there's probably something to the fact of this team is out executing other teams. And there's, there is no wrong answer here. I think it's fun to think about the, all the different things that go into it. I, at, at first I would have been more biased and said, well, smaller market is definitely harder because you have to convince people that the, like the, the average existing home in Pittsburgh is $78,000. So when you build a new home and it's three seventy five dollars for not too many more square feet, like you're in trouble unless you can show the value and, and market it and sell it. Uh, and it's also just hard to know kind of where the market is because there's so many players. Whereas option one, like, yeah, if it's a high volume market, knowing where the market is, is pretty easy. Cause you just pull the data from Metro study or, or Zonda or somebody and be like, how many permits, how many sales at what price point? Hey, architects, do we have anything in that price point we can build? Do we have land land team? Like it's, it's about executing, but it's pretty clear a lot of times of, of where you are. So that execution though, has to be done at such a high level. And I think that was Jake's point on this at all different points. You've got to execute yeah. out. So, so there's just, do, there, there's no wrong answer at all. They're both hard the more I thought about it, but I just, I was curious what everyone else's perspective would be. That is on that. That is it started hard. out one way and now it's tied. So yeah. get in there and vote. <laughs> so that this morning. So that was just to be clear, cause I was uh-huh. confused by the question a little bit. Yeah. High, the number one, is uh-huh. high volume overall transactions existing and new and high percent is new new right second one is moderate volume of transactions yeah or any volume but let's a low percent is new i think another way to think about it is that in in the low volume market it's it's a true statement that your biggest competition is existing there's a lot of existing mm-hmm. okay because um, it's yeah i was it's all it's true always but in, so in a high volume market I mean, yeah, you can say existing is your biggest comp- competitor and that is true to a point, but there's also so many people who choose new in that market every year that you can hit your goal if you just perform. If you right? just, like you're, you're not yeah. saying I can, I can steal market share from my uh, new home competitors and be totally fine. Whereas in a low volume market, you can steal market share, but you still may not hit your goal unless you All convince right. a whole bunch of people who wanted existing that you're a better option. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it makes sense, but that's the question of the week. Fun, there you go. Fun, fun question. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Madeline Wing, the head of partnerships at CallRail, is going to join Jen and I for a fantastic conversation about the tool, about some changes to the tool, and how uh, Jen and the team at Do You Convert, Jesse, Mike, uh, came in and gave CallRail some feedback that they are taking into account and adjusting how that tool will, will perform in the future just for the online sales teams in the new home industry. Pretty exciting stuff. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And joining us today is Madeline Wing, the head of partnership for everyone's favorite telephony tool. 
And I'm only calling it that because it's alliterative. And so that's fun. Call rail. I was going to say, do we have some sound effects? Oh, yeah. It's, well, we should have more ringing, which is, but, the, but we have too much PTSD from so many rings coming in already. We don't need <laughs> to add any more to that. But thank you for joining us, Madeline. Yeah, I'm excited to be here today. Really, really happy to chat with you guys. So Madeline's here to talk about the tool, what it can do, why it was created, where it's going, all sorts of fun things. And I, we were just talking backstage in the green room before we got started <laughs> that um, you know other tools like BombBomb and Box Brownie and Rendering House, other things that have now gone uh, industry-wide, most of those tools, believe it or not, started by do you convert either using them ourselves or discovering them from one of the builders you've worked with and then bringing it to the to the broader audience. But CallRail is one that we haven't had the chance to have as much direct conversation with, or and that's one of the things that we hope uh, to happen today. But Jen, real quick, before we kick it over yeah. to Madeline, just talking about how important call tracking, uh, which is only part of what CallRail does, but just how important that's been. Yeah, absolutely. Year. I mean, CallRail has been a company that we have recommended now for several years as, you know, if you don't have a call tracking system in place, you've got to have one. And, and this is this is the best one around to use. But CallRail really became even more important uh, this last year when COVID hit and we saw such huge, huge spikes and increases in leads and specifically calls because we those those leads weren't just leads filling out a form. They were leads that wanted to talk to people. <laughs> they didn't want to just fill out a form. They said, hey, let me call in. Let me let me see what the update is. Let me see if this website is actually real, uh, real information on here. So, yeah. uh, you know, having some sort of tool in place to manage those calls and leads has been so, so important this last year, for sure. Yeah, it was already happening in 2019 yeah. and 2018, we saw some of the larger builders we work with have two thirds of the leads, which historically have been coming in through form completions, were coming in through the phone. Mm -hmm. And I just today was on a call with a builder partner, and they were concerned about the overall, uh, like percentage drop of leads, uh, 10, 15 percent. But what what we saw was that their phone call volume had tripled. Yeah. Form form completions had lowered, and so mm -hmm. again, it was well, we need to make sure we have a tool like this in place. Your part-time mm -hmm. OSC can't probably be part-time anymore. You know, all these other, other yeah. challenges that go along with the increased volume and urgency that comes with the phone. So that, I think that's probably not the, the most uh, entry-level starting point we could begin with you, Madeline, but <laughs> just talk to about, is it just our industry? Is everyone struggling with phone volume right now? And what are some of the ways that CallRail can, can help with that? Yeah, I actually think like it's funny looking back on the last year, of course, kind of, a, you know, last March, right? Everyone's freaking out. Like you're like, is this the end of times? Is my business going to make it I'm out? Gonna be like, zombies. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like April and May and we were like, wait, things are still like rocking and rolling here, even though we're shut down, what's happening. And then we went straight to, yeah, the call volume. We track how many minutes how many phone call minutes we operate on every single day. And the graph was just through the roof, like through the summer and it hasn't slowed down. Yeah. Almost every single industry that we operate in, that's what's happening. That's the way the world is moving to your point, Jen. Yeah. People now, like they know we're in such a constant state of change. 
They don't trust what they see, what pops up on Google right away. They don't know mm-hmm. when the last time the website was updated. They just want to talk to you and hear the answer straight from your mouth. Oh so. my gosh. That, so that is, what, what are the other industries that are, are your primary customer base, if you're allowed to say those things? Yeah, absolutely. So um, outside of real estate and home builders, um, we work very heavily with those in healthcare, um, with lawyers and home services. Those are probably our other three like biggest industries that we work in. So yeah, if you can imagine, you know, you're searching for someone maybe to mow your front lawn and it says they are not working, but you don't know, you saw their truck outside your neighbor's house yesterday. So you're just going to go ahead and give them a call and mm-hmm. see what can happen. Yeah. Home builders are like the biggest possible small business in that sense of, you know, you, you can't trust the the lawn mowing service to be good enough at marketing to update that communication or to have complex systems that are real time. And so you can't, you can't trust it. And unfortunately home builders generally don't either. And the call to action will say, call down to schedule your appointment. And then you call and, and it says, we're not accepting any appointments at this time. Yeah, <laughs> Please do that. Exactly. Well, no wonder, no wonder you were seeing the minutes go off the chart. If your biggest uh, client sources are um, home, home building, home services, and healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't sum up what this last year has been, people home, people sick, people looking around their house, wanting services, wanting a new home. I mean, that makes sense. That's the yeah. one to punch too, is it's not just yeah. the volume. Again, this call earlier is like, look at the uh, time on the phone of each one of those calls. Yes. It has more yeah. than doubled and the volume has tripled. So this is why we need some other solutions to try and help. The Absolutely. Time, the time on the call is really interesting too, because we looked at that initially as well. We were like, well, maybe they're just calling, asking the quick question, hanging out. They got up. nothing oh. else to do. They can't go to the theater. Yeah. Right. They're just <laughs> so, you know, if you're listening and you don't have a call tracking sort of system, I just want to back up and say, um, you know, online sales really uses this as like a virtual assistant. Some, some mentality or some knee-jerk, Madeline, you might have heard this before, is, oh, you're getting a call tracking system? That's like big brother. Like, you just want to listen to my calls. You just want to monitor what I'm saying. And it's like, you know, yes, that is something that CallRail can, can provide as a service, right? But as far as online sales and why you need this, it's really like a virtual assistant to help stay organized and manage these calls that are coming in and leads. So how, like, how can using CallRail, what would you want people to understand? How can this help manage large call volumes? And like, what are some of the cool things? Even before like getting into like, yes, we record the calls and you can tag them and do all of this. (laughs) I always say like bare minimum, you don't have a tool like CallRail in place today. Just starting with tracking your call volume and the average number of calls you get a day that's so important to understand for your business from a staffing perspective, right? And so Callwall can just tell you like point blank, you got 25 phone calls yesterday and these were the times of day when you were getting those and then throughout the week. And so you know, hey, I need to have three people answering the phone on Mondays at two because for some reason, that's when people are calling the home builder. Like that's that's when I need to be prepared. So I think just bare minimum, it's super important to understand how to staff your phone and where you need to be routing calls when. And you can start there um, before even digging into what people are actually even talking about on the phone call, 
which is also a very, very cool other piece of it that yeah, we can. It, it's a little bit like, could you imagine Walt Disney World making people buy tickets, but not having a turnstile to know how many people are actually in the park? Like that's, yeah. that's essentially what you're doing if you don't have mm -hmm. a turnstile like counting mechanism for your phone calls, text messages, et cetera. You, st you, don't, you have no idea. And there's got to be a better name for this psychological problem of mm -hmm. whenever you ask someone how many calls they get, they always underreport because they don't think about the ones that weren't productive in air quotes. Mm -hmm. of, well, it didn't turn into an appointment or they didn't ask the 10 buying questions that my builder wants me to ask first because they haven't been trained by Mike and Jen to only ask the right three. Um, mm -hmm. So if that doesn't happen, then I just, I forget that that call even occurred. Yeah. But it's such a good point. What Madeline is saying and what you're saying, Kevin, is that, we have to understand from a bandwidth perspective how much volume an on one online sales specialist is managing, right? So it, even if it didn't turn into an appointment, they still had to take that call, have the phone conversation, do something with it or not with it, but they had to have the conversation. And so that is such a, that is such a good you know, tool to have and, and data to understand. So you do know how to staff properly and, and kind of what the current volume is. And we should, we're, we've done this all wrong because it's my fault. I jumped right into it. But as many people as, I mean, CallRail is definitely the premier tool that our industry uses by a large, large margin. I would say of the builders we work with, probably 92% use CallRail. But if you're not familiar what call tracking or call rail is, because call tracking is actually only one of four different offerings, Madeline, mm -hmm. then, we'll, then we'll circle back more to specifically call tracking and lead center and how OSCs and managers can use it. Just give us a quick overview of all the stuff that call rail can do. Yeah, absolutely. So call rail is really, it's a, a lead management and marketing platform. So we tell you where essentially all of your inbound leads are coming from and then also helping you stay organized with those leads and making sure that they're getting followed up on and closed and turning into actual dollars and real business. So we're telling you what marketing is working and what's not. And so therefore you can better spend that budget, that, that small budget that you have to spend on marketing and get the most out of every dollar. So we help you track inbound phone calls and inbound form fills. And then you can actually answer the phone calls. We help you record the phone calls. We transcribe the phone calls so you can understand what's actually happening in every single conversation with your business, whether it's online or offline, essentially. I mean, that you sound like an extra do you convert employee. There's no wonder that our two <laughs> companies are so happy to spend time with each other because those are all the things that we that we focus on. And this was mm -hmm. a big hole before CallRail existed. I mean, we had to have tried six or seven similar tools, Mike and I, mm -hmm. and then Jen, before we found CallRail. And CallRail was just the first tool that felt like it was from the world we lived in now. Like every mm -hmm. other tool was some form, what's the really old one that the magazine people used to always use? Call source. Oh my gosh. Oh, mm -hmm. Where's my scary sound effect? That was, I don't, I don't know where it is, but that was the worst tool ever. And it felt like every other thing was, was some other form of that from the eighties that mm -hmm. like we had morphed it from uh, some type of terminal screen to somehow ma barely managing to get into HTML and call rail was just snappy and quick and responsive and felt so much more intuitive. Okay. I would say, well, that that's like our mission statement is taking things that are clunky 
and feel like they're only for enterprise business, like that should, they should be easy to get set up and use. So businesses of all sizes can take advantage of the technology. And it's not just for the upper echelon with really, really incredibly high marketing budget. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that we love about CallRail to that point is that the, you know, the online sales specialist is in there using it. They don't have to have somebody else change out a number or call flow. Yeah. You don't need IT support to go make a change or adjust something, right? It's, it's their, it's truly their tool that they're using um, for their business. Yep. And so we love that. So back to high call volume and we'll stick with OSCs first. Then we'll talk to management and marketing as we round out um, our time today. Large call volume, Jen, what's your favorite mm-hmm. tool that, that CallRail offers to try to help with high call volume? Yeah, well, gosh, I, I'm so thankful for the call flows that can be set up right now. Um, you know, the biggest challenge that online sales is facing right now today is how to manage a lot of demand with little opportunity on the other end. So creating a lot of um, interest lists, priority lists, things like that. What do we do with all these calls when we really don't have anything to say right now? Or, we, or, or it's like Groundhog Day where we're saying the same thing over and over again. Thank you for calling. I don't have anything right now, but I could put you on a list. You know, it's over and over again. So having those call flows in place where call comes in, it can be a very nice message on the front end that that's the expectation up front before it gets to the online sales specialist. That to me is like one of the best things. What do you, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Madeline, you first. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, to your point earlier about if you only like taking that call, even if it's not a good call, still was a use of someone's time. So yeah, how can yeah. you almost like weed out and filter out the mm-hmm. good opportunities that warrant a conversation versus, hey, just press one and leave a message because we yeah. can't help you right now anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah, one of the very um, astute ways I've tried to talk about this idea is to make the sucky suck less as part of marketing's job. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is in any scenario going to be, we essentially aren't ready to sell you a home right this moment, but here's the things you can do. Right. Certainly we would love in an ideal world where there's enough capacity of human beings to have a very personal and intimate conversation with much caring and love. That's, that's obviously the main goal, mm-hmm. but the second pretty good alternative is to get to that point faster so that everyone's not sitting on hold for 30 mm-hmm. minutes only to hear or waiting two days for a response only to hear this is the scenario. And that, you know, access and transparency are two of my key words for 2021 for, that builders really have to be focused on. And that this, that's a way to do it. And I also mm-hmm. just think the fact that the tool itself, again, you have essentially a WYSIWYG kind of drag and drop, pull down menu, uh, build out the way that these calls are going to go. Mm-hmm. And it, even using them ourselves as a, from a customer standpoint, when we just test to make sure something's working or when we make in a change, it, it doesn't feel at all like I'm calling into my doctor's office. Whatever tool right. system they're using, it's not call mm-hmm. real because everything just feels less relevant because it's probably harder for them to update that tool. Whereas you can mm-hmm. change your greeting in nine seconds. Yeah. You can swap out, have one call, go to multiple people, round robins, all sorts of different opportunities that can be nested in themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that your tool 
and its ease of use, like you were saying, Jen, it just allows it to become much more relevant than that. I mean, I remember the call system we used at Miranda in 2003, like they sent us a physical tape that someone recorded in a studio every quarter. We could update the message on the tape that people would hear when they were on hold, right? That's yeah. just, that's so far away from where, where you are. Uh, with yeah. Your and, and one size doesn't fit all, but you know, it, it, what might be current at one community is different for an, another. So, you know, call rail, Madeline, talk a little bit about like, you, know, you have responsive routing where it's like, if it's coming from this particular number, it can go to a specific, right? Or if it's calling from this specific number, you know, so it's not just like every call has to get the same path. Like choose your own adventure for calls, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we are, we're able to support like basically a very basic IVR, press one, press two, mm-hmm. press three. And then to your point, choose your own adventure. You can like layer that again as many mm-hmm. times as you need to. You can route based on what people are searching for or yeah, where they are on your website. This, maybe this lander goes here. If this you know page is talking about that community, then you send it somewhere different. Mm-hmm. So you can always do that. And then, yeah, in terms of real time fast, I think one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard from one of our customers actually was um, a retirement community in South Florida and a hurricane hit and to the point of high call volume going through the roof, people want to talk to their loved ones. Right. And they're like, Hey, how's my grandma doing? They put up the recording in like 10 minutes flat to be like, Hey, everything is doing fine. This is what's happening. And so their phone went from like ringing uncontrollably. They couldn't answer it. They couldn't deal with it to everyone hung up, feeling happy, safe. Like they knew what was happening. Had an update. Yeah, exactly. You can do like really fast, real-time recorded updates on the voicemails or the greetings. Um, so that way, people as things are changing in a community, like in real time, you can make sure that all of your potential customers or current customers like understand what's happening and they feel in the loop and not like, hey, why is no one calling me back? You know? Yeah. Well, like one of that. the two, one nerdy thing and and one kind of hidden gem, I think that the nerdy thing is that you can tag at each one of those changes in the route, give the tag or give the call a different tag to label it when you're mm-hmm. looking at the data coming back in. Whereas other systems say like, wherever the call comes from, that's the tag that gets set to it. And that's all you know, is they called this number. You're able to let them say, well, if they pick two, they might be a current customer, label them as such. If they pick three, label them as warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, if they picked number one, then they're online sales and, and there's really no limit to, to what you can do on that. That's my mm-hmm. favorite nerdy one. My favorite hidden gem shockingly to me is the call whisper feature, which oh, I, I just love. love. I mean, I, I did tech support for bell South dial up internet in 2001 and 2002 in the summer. And my, and, and I started that and then as I was there longer, they're like, well, we'll add you onto this account and this account. And I was like, how am I going to know? And they just had this system that visually did a little pop-up that said, hey, you're, this is the greeting you are to read because this is the, the company this person thinks they're connecting to. They also had us pull up the weather from wherever people were calling from so we could <laughs> be relatable. I just thought that was, that was funny. But the call whisper is a way for when you answer the call, it will tell you. It doesn't even whisper. It's just whatever the voice 
mm-hmm. to record uh, or, or have it read to you and say, hey, this is a call for Happy Acres. So get ready. Mm-hmm. Get your happy Acres, yeah. welcome and greet. Put your this Happy a- Acres hat on so you know who <laughs> you're talking to. Yeah. And, and that's really important if you're in, a, in any kind of rhythm, in any kind of job. Something mm-hmm. that can snap you out of the rhythm and be like, no, no, this is the one community where we're not in a coming soon priority list. You have to wait until we release it scenario. So go back to the traditional high energy, we're ready to set you an appointment kind of mindset. I just, I love it. I, and it's shocking to me how many people as I go back in, even some of our own builders, just because they haven't needed it, um, it's not turned on. Mm. The yeah. other cool thing about that, like to your point of in a traditional call center, you have the pop-up on your screen. Like you're not always sitting in front of your screen. Right. Sometimes yeah. when you got to take a call. And so having it in your ear, you're able to move forward and, and you get that same benefit. So, yep. Okay. So lead center, what is that? And what is that? How is that different from the call tracking functionality? What is lead center specifically? Yeah, so we kind of think about the call tracking part of the product. That's where you analyze and go in and look at all of this data and what's happening. And lead center is where you are actually acting on these phone calls. You're answering calls, you're following up, you're adding notes in real time. It's it's for the person that is actually managing the conversations. Um, and so we have had some like semblance of lead center in our product for a long time. It's gone through a couple of like name changes and iterations, but um, we relaunched it and redid a lot of this product um, late last year. We're really excited about it. And um, we did a lot of work on the VoIP, which is really, really important. If you're going to be taking calls over the internet, make sure that that is doing well. Um, we also rolled out a lot of have, like very highly requested things. So things like call cues. Previously, if someone was on the phone and they called your number, they just got a busy line or they went to voicemail or something like that. Now you can actually have hold music and they can wait. And once again, you can customize the hold music. So you can say whatever you need to say while someone's waiting. Mm-hmm. Um we also are allowing contact uploads. So if you have a list of prospects that you've dealt with in the past that maybe didn't end up buying, but you know they're hot opportunities, you can upload them into Lead Center and you can actually manage the outbound dialing, adding all of those tags and notes. So all of the conversations are in one place. And then when they call you back, you can remember what you said to them last time on the outbound dial. Yeah, quick shout out to Astrid. Um, uh, online salesperson of the year from NHB gold winner, but she used to do that on her own, on her cell phone, right? She would program mm-hmm. kind of like Uber drivers sometimes do on their little screen on the, on the board when you pull into their car. But that way she would know if Kevin called her back, she could answer and say, Oh, Hey, Kevin, good to hear from you again, because she knew that, but you're, you're kind of building that in. And that is broadly speaking, the trend across all, um, telephony. I don't know what word you would use for that. Um, because telephony sounds like a made up word, but all, all the, all the telephone technology, uh, voice connection technology is definitely headed down that path. Uh, and there's a lot of good data that can come from that. A lot of good systems, but one, like we talked about home builders are the largest small business in the planet. And so very little Salesforce or um, CRM usage that where that, that user is used to that type of, I've got four screens up and I'm, 
I'm managing nuclear bomb codes and taking online leads while I sit in my chair. Kind of like that guy from Jurassic Park. Oh, that's um, who, exactly who I was thinking, the guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah, which is not like any of our online salespeople. <laughs> no. Like, we're not going to let the dinosaurs go crazy on purpose just because I think that's how it went, right? Um, what was that guy's name? Fred? Ned? I don't know. That's, that's bonus trivia. It was trivia Samuel Jackson, right? That, oh, no, I was talking Samuel? about the really large, curly-haired Whoa, white, white guy. The guy like from the Seinfeld? Cokes. Yes. The guy from Seinfeld? Yes. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't know. What his name I don't know. It's okay. But um, in our case, a lot of times online salespeople are mobile, moving around, and so there were some particular challenges where where yeah. Lead Center, and we do have a couple of folks who really like it and have adjusted, and yeah, because they are set up in a in a way to use that. It's like more power mm -hmm. to you. But what's really exciting to me, and and one of the things that spurred having the ability to get Madeline on was just connecting our two organizations and having conversations about how can yes. we make sure that um, this this pool of people who really need something that might be a little bit different can still continue to use the tool in a way that works for them. Uh, either one of you want to take that and run with it a little bit? Yeah, I just, I just want to say first, and then I'll let Madeline talk about it, is that um, it's been a pleasure getting really intimate with the call reel folks on, you know, in a collaborative, um, nature, uh, you know, yeah, change is hard in our online sales specialist, you know, with the changing market and industry that was already happening. And then, you know, changes come with the new lead center. It was a little bit like, Hey, oh my gosh, like you're taking my blankie away from me basically is, you know, kind of what was happening. Right. Not that it was bad. It was just change. And so working with you guys on hearing some of the frontline stories and feedback, um, I think was super helpful to be able to like come up with like, hey, how can we, we use Lead Center in the best way um, for our online sales specialists who aren't like Kevin was saying, right in front of their computer all the time. So yeah. Madeline, talk about kind of like the stuff that you're working on. Yeah. Well, so like I mentioned, we've been working on making the VoIP better, but right? I'm not an online sales specialist, neither are our product team. So we're testing it and, and we're like, yeah, we feel good about it. It was actually really, really great when you guys brought that feedback to us of like, hey, like we're not necessarily hearing that it's the best in VoIP in the world everywhere. It really helped us come to terms with the fact that there are still areas where cell service is strong. So you can make a phone call very easily on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. But using the mobile data, which is what CallRail and our lead center mobile app has to work on, it's just not there yet from a technology perspective. And we right. need to make sure that people that are mobile that we built the mobile app for, like we recognize that was going to happen. Um, they need another workaround. So that's actually why we are going to basically be bringing back um, some of the agent call forwarding functionality. because. Yeah, in our minds, we were like, oh, yeah, we built this, you know, to be VoIP and we want everyone to rely really heavily on the VoIP, but it just turns out the technology is not there yet, just like purely from a satellite perspective. And we're not in the business of building satellites. So, yeah, that was actually really, really great to work with you guys on that and realize that we needed that for your customers. We needed that for probably a lot of people that we hadn't talked to yet. So, yeah, we are bringing back the agent call forwarding functionality. And we're going to make that work for everyone that's on the go needing to take calls 
Yeah. From laptop, phone, you name it. Well, first of all, we need, great job. Yeah, we need celebration. Yeah. <laughs> the, the really cool thing here is a lot of people in technology love to point to Apple computer, right? That's the only, there's the only, there's three companies you hear talked about Tesla, Apple computer, and Amazon. Uh, and Apple's famous for removing functionality as they move forward. And sometimes that does work, but this might've been an instance where removing functionality as the majority of, of people would be able to use the tool in the way that you were looking at. And, and there's just a lot of companies where we've had the experience of initially a great partnership, a great solution for, for the builders and online salespeople. And then over time, they just kind of stop for stop forgetting about that core customer base. And it's like, no, we're moving on. We've got cool new things to make and do, and you can't support it all. And so just like you were saying, Jen, that um, it, it changes hard. It's also really hard for companies the size of CallRail to stop enough and listen and be like, huh. I mean, right? engineers are some yeah. of the smartest people on the planet. They also tend to be the first to be like, um, well, again, like the guy from Seinfeld, uh, Newman, it's right. like, no, you're, you're, you're out of touch. Just get with it, people. Like this is right. the future. <laughs> and so I love, and it, I'm going to probably not hit the number right on the head, but collectively between both organizations, um, both in terms of vetting potential other solutions besides CallRail, which there were not any that we were excited about, by the way. Um, and then also in engaging with CallRail and talking through this, we're talking 20, 30, 40 hours on both teams end of, uh, and then <laughs> Jen's giving me the hand signal that might be on the low end yeah. of total time to make this work. And so that's why, um, I just, again, fantastic. And that's, those are the kind of long-term partners that we're looking for. Madeline is people who are, are still able to, to remain sensitive to their, to their audience and pivot where they, where they want to go. Oh, crucial. I mean, same to you guys. Like that's, that's who we want to work with people that are giving us like that feedback we needed to hear it so we appreciate it okay um let's round out with some extra a uh, couple quick bonus questions for the marketers so you also have um on your website which is where, where i'm pulling this from you've got call tracking lead center uh, and then form tracking which we don't often talk about and isn't again a use case for every scenario but has some pretty cool functionality to it and then conversion intelligence which i just these are most marketers are also geeks, uh, Madeline. So talk to us a little bit about form tracking specifically and different industries or use cases where you see that working well um, first. And then we'll talk about conversion intelligence. Yeah. So on the form tracking front, uh, basically what we are able to do is one line of code on your website and we will pull in all form fills. We'll tell you what page they were on, the contents of the form fills. But Probably the cooler part is we're marrying that with the phone call data. So you can almost see, okay, someone called yesterday. We missed the call. We didn't follow back up, but then they filled out a form tomorrow or they filled out the form yesterday and someone did call them back. You're able to kind of see all that in one place. And then another feature of that that I actually think is really, really cool and doesn't get enough credit is we do actually do instant form callbacks because I think everybody knows like any lead you follow up with quickly is like I think there's some stat out there right like 10 times more likely to close if you follow up with someone in the first 15 minutes um, and so what we'll actually do is if someone fills out a form on your website your phone will start ringing whatever number you tell us 
you answer it and it'll say, hey, you just got a form on your website on this page, press one to connect. You press one and we dial you out to the lead. So um, yeah, it, it, that's that's pretty powerful, I think, especially once again, because you're busy doing stuff. You maybe didn't get the email notification that it came through, but your phone's right there ringing. It's pretty yep. hard to ignore that. So. Unfortunately, this is also the time where I have to say, whoa there, marketer, hold on. Like, don't, <laughs> I know. It does sound amazing. And from a marketer's perspective, you're like, that's such an amazing customer experience. That's a wow moment. That's something they'll remember, all those things of that instant call. And yet, if you unleash that on your online salesperson right now without talking to them as they are drowning already in calls, <laughs> Jen will come to my yes. house and murder me in my sleep. So please yes. don't do that. But that, that in a normal time, or if you can staff up to handle that, and that yeah. I Very probably, cool. you'll probably hear me tell the story on some other segment, some other week. But I listened to an MLS call because, again, I'm a nerd. And they were talking to local MLS systems, the national MLS um, group. If we gave you a million dollars, what would you do to improve your system? And everyone was talking about, well, we do automated this and automated that and alerts when the listing goes live or is sold or whatever. And the smartest guy, I think, on the call uh, at the time said, if, if you gave me a million dollars, I would hire 15 people to sit in a room and answer every call and respond to every text message like a person, because that's a way to actually differentiate yourself. And I just love telling that story. And you'll hear it again multiple times on this podcast, because it's such a good reminder that automation is fantastic. But the thing that makes what you just described, Madeline, so interesting is it, it, it uses technology to connect human beings faster. Human beings, not chatbot. That's exactly what I was thinking, Thank is you. that it's still ultimately talking with a person. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, that just got all the marketers jazzed up and excited. So <laughs> let's let's go through for the home run hit and talk about conversion <laughs> intelligence because it has the word AI in the description. And so that's got to be cool. <laughs> yeah, so kind of to round out the whole platform, this last piece. So we're able to record all of the phone calls um, inbound and outbound. And what we'll also do is we'll transcribe the phone calls and then you can kind of get the intelligence piece one of two ways. So we do out of the box, just kind of surface and grab words that either have a large emphasis in the conversation or are said multiple times. And we just let you know, hey, we think these words are important. And this is what this conversation was about because they said it a lot. Um, so you can almost see what a conversation is about like, at a glance without having to read the whole transcript, listen to a whole call recording. Yeah. Or you can also add your own words to it. Um, so yeah, if you, for example, you know, appointment is like the word that you're looking for. You want someone to come on site and make an appointment, right? Um, you can actually service that and then you can apply tags and you can report on all of the calls where yeah. people actually and Just check it out. ask for an appointment. Yeah, <laughs> well, we obviously will have a link to CallRail in the show notes as well as um, to this page specifically on conversion intelligence for those of you who are looking at it. But it, it spells it out real quickly in the graphic of, hey, these keywords were in in the conversation: appointment, schedule, quote, service fee, etc. And so we've we've been a big fan of the transcription, which is amazingly accurate anyway on its own. It could cost what 10, 15 cents uh, roughly per transcription on most calls. Um, so almost nothing to have it sent straight to your email and someone leaves a voicemail. That's, that's cool in of itself, but transcribing the live calls versus voicemails is a whole nother level, uh, and, and being able to pull out those keywords from a manager perspective and a marketer perspective of how do we get more data? Cause that's one of the downsides, honestly, we, we've talked about this 
a couple different ways. Of one of the downsides of getting more calls coming in as a marketer is we're getting, generally speaking, um, less complete data, not necessarily less data, but a form fill, we can say, you must tell us these things. Now, whether that's going to be accurate or they just type in, as I do, Clark Kent at supermail, superman at gmail.com on every, every form. Um, but we, we feel like as marketers, we're getting more a complete picture of the scenario. And this could be a great tool to, to help you round some of that out. Yeah. And I think on the manager perspective too, understanding what your people are saying on the call so you can coach them to do better next time. It's so critical and like rounding it all back to the tags of it all and being able to kind of organize that way. I, I like to listen to my salespeople's calls, but it can be daunting to come in the next day and be like, I don't have time to listen to 25 calls, but you can really quickly see, you know what, these three look like the three I want to listen to. And I can either understand more about, yeah, what are the questions we're getting so I can improve our marketing or I can, oh, actually, we need to go back and retrain the person answering the phone because they could have answered that question better. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And qualitative and quantitative feedback is always important. You know, l- large groups of, of data sets and information. You know, Jen and Mike, you guys have recommended forever that an online salesperson should listen to a couple of their own calls as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, any professional wants to watch tape of their performance. And so you can always have folks self-review and self-score and self-select, but, and that'll get you the qualitative part, the in-depth listen mm-hmm. to a couple calls all the way through in real time. But from the, the manager or the marketer's perspective, who's like, yeah, we don't want to do that unless we think something's really broken, which no one's got time for that anyway. Let's just try to get some of the, the key points of yeah. what's being said. It's a great point. For sure. All right, Madeline, rapid fire. So people can get to know you a little bit better. Um, favorite album of all time. Oh, you, you might be so young enough. You don't, you never bought albums. Looks like too. No, actually, do you know what? I love, um, brothers and sisters by the Almond brothers. I have my oh, dad. Old time. Love it. That's like a good one. Yeah. See so. that you had a good dad and that's my goal is to be the dad that introduces my daughters to all of the, the old, more classical stuff. So yep. the answers aren't always whatever the latest, mm-hmm. greatest thing is. Okay. Favorite movie. Maybe we'll go with the Sandlot. That's a good one. Wow. Okay. The Sandlot. Yeah. She I thinks they're all really cute. I just watched it over the weekend. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was the, when I was in middle school. All the girls were like, oh, the boys in the Sandlot. And like, well, I got no <laughs> chance to compete with any of that. Um, last question outside of Call Rail, favorite piece of modern technology that's made your life better? You know what? I'm a huge runner and those Bluetooth headphones and the watch. I don't have to even take my phone anywhere. Yeah. Right. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's a game that changer. Incredible. <laughs> and I actually, I, I don't know all the functionality, but I saw they finally let Spotify on the Apple watch too. So yep. for a long time it was just Apple music, but now Spotify. Mm-hmm. Although the one time I tried to use it without my phone, cause I intentionally try not to run more than I need to, unless I'm being chased by something. Um, just, I have to be able to run fast enough to get away. That's, that's the only thing I'm on track for. Uh, it, it broke down. And so I had to just listen to my own and I have terrible ADD. So I need the music to get, otherwise running, it becomes incredibly painful to me. Yeah. Are you a, people find out, clarity. Like, you I don't outdoor, find clarity. Outdoor runner or treadmill runner? Biker. Outdoor. I know you're a biker. Oh yeah. Madeline. Yeah. No. Out, outdoor. It's gotta outdoor. be outdoor. 
Do you have a uh, dog that you go running with or are you solo? I'm solo for now, but I did. I have an eight month old puppy and that's like why we bought him. He'll Uh he'll be my buddy when he's big enough. What kind of puppy do you have? He's a golden retriever. Oh, that Kevin has a golden retriever. Cutest, dumbest dog we've ever had. (laughs) They are. I, I don't know why. No, they're not dumb. It's just ours. Um, generally speaking, goldens are quite intelligent, but ours is, I mean, she can't find a Don't ball in a field. Like that. She can't, how can you not see a tennis ball in a field? Like there's, she just either has terrible vision or terrible smell or both. I don't know. She's lovable though. All right, Madeline, that'll do it. Thanks for joining us. She's like, I can't believe these people are so unprofessional, but Thanks, that's just guys. This was so much fun. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks to you. And thanks again to to the whole team at Call Real for working with us and continuing to make online salespeople and marketers uh, have the tools they need to get the job done. Absolutely. 